Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. ESPN 1000, your home for the Chicago White Sox, joined by the play-by-play voice of your Chicago White Sox, Len Casper, here on ESPN 1000 with Xander and Hanley. Good morning, Len. How are you? Doing great, guys. Looking forward to uh, Jim Cott Day here in Minnesota, and uh, hopefully the White Sox can continue their good streak. Yeah, Jim Cotte played for both teams, which, uh, you know, he was uh, he was a legend. He's a broadcaster up there now, right? Yeah, he does a few games with the Twins and uh, has been broadcasting for a long time. Uh, really great guy, generous with his time, has a million stories. He actually debuted uh, at, I believe, age 20 back in 59, pitching for the Washington Senators at Comiskey Park <laughs> in September of that year against the Go-Go Sox. So uh, there's a lot of history there, and uh, it's well-deserved, and uh, he'll go into the Hall of Fame here later this month. Len, it seems like there's been about three weeks of baseball on and off the field in the last week with the Chicago White Sox. You had Kenny Williams reportedly talking to the team. You had you know stumbling and bumbling at home because that's been kind of the storyline this season. And the first two games of Cleveland don't look so good, and now you got a four-game win streak and have an opportunity to really feel good about yourselves going into the All-Star break. Um, you've been you know front row seat in this week. How's how's that little ride been going for everybody? Yeah, you know, Brian, it's one of those uh, things where you you really try not to get too high or too low um, because things can change quickly. I think uh, the Orioles and the Mariners have proven that uh, here of late, and I'm not suggesting the White Sox are going to win 10 or 11 in a row, but it's obviously possible. Uh, I, I just think that everybody internally and certainly externally uh, has understood that the, the record has not been anywhere close to where uh, everybody thought it should be. And quite honestly, in some ways, you know, prior to this week, if you look at some of the numbers and the way the White Sox have played, it, it's kind of remarkable that they've been able to even hover around uh, the 500 mark. So now you get on a little bit of a roll, and every game you play against Cleveland and Minnesota really counts as two. Uh, it was imperative that they had uh, a, a really good week. And, you know, now you got to win one of the next two, right? Um, go into the break at least at 500, if not a couple games above. And if they can get these next two, they'll only be a uh, game out of first place, which is kind of unbelievable to, to ponder. But uh, there's a long way to go. Still a lot of games in the division. For whatever reason, the early portion of the White Sox schedule was non-division heavy. And then you look at some of the teams they're going to play that are outside the division. They haven't played Oakland yet. Uh, They haven't played the Rockies uh, yet. Uh, They've got an opportunity against some teams that they should handle uh, to to, to pile up some wins. Now you got to go out and you have to do it. And you mentioned the struggles at home. I think that's the biggest thing in the second half to really improve is got to find a way to to win in front of your home fans which is something they were so good at the previous two seasons so uh len what what are you seeing of regarding luis robert now last night came out of the game lightheadedness was there any other explanation i mean what are you seeing misplayed a ball is is this something a little more serious than maybe they're saying or maybe he was just simply dehydrated 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, the, the word was simply lightheaded. Uh, he reported that to the training staff, and, and Tony got him out of the game immediately. Uh, obviously, the first thing is you, you, you want to make sure you know his health is paramount. Um, I don't know if he can play today or not. Uh, he had three consecutive three-hit games and was in probably his best stretch of the season. Um, thankfully, Adam Engel, who came in, you know, hit a big insurance three-run mm-hmm. homer for him, so you feel like you're covered there. But, you know, Eloy's probably not available here this weekend, and depending on Robert's status, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the White Sox made a roster move here today just because you can't play two men short for the next two days in these really important games. You know, when uh, MLB.com did a uh, story last weekend, uh, seven players who have to turn it around in order for their teams to do the same, and two of the seven were White Sox. One was Lance Lynn, the other, and they were just saying, coming back from injury, you know, he needs to get his sea legs back, but that outing wasn't uh, obviously something he wants to remember. But the Johan Mankata, I mean, every time we talk about him here, you get the, you get the phone calls pro and con. You know, everyone sees... I mean, he looks like a central casting if you're making a baseball movie, right? I mean, you see the physique, you see the, the spurts, you see a couple seasons ago why he got the contract, and yet you don't see it consistently enough. How important is he moving forward in the second half of the season? I, I would say Moncada and Grandall are, are two huge keys to this team because they're guys who last year kind of led the way in terms of getting on base. Uh, Mancata's walking a lot less. Uh, Grandal was was walking a fair amount, but nowhere close to to his walk rate last year. Now Yaz has had a really good rehab assignment in terms of a couple of stops, and he's um, you know hitting the ball and taking his walks. Uh, you don't want to waste too many of those at bats uh, at the minor league level, and I think he's slated to come back right when the second half starts. But it gets tricky there too because Sebi Zavala's been so right. good of late. And, and you like McGuire's defense, so Tony's going to have some decisions to make, assuming, with all else equal, that there are three catchers on the roster, um, finding maybe DH at bats uh, for Grandall. But I, I think the left-handed bats uh, in this lineup, that that's where you want the offensive improvement, and those are two big guys that you think about against right-handed pitching. The White Sox have been so much better against lefties than righties this year, and they've got to balance that out if they want to do some damage. And Gavin Sheets has really shown up since his uh, AAA stint from the left-handed side to help he's out that. Re- yeah. yeah, he's been really good. He's He came back and he's starting to, to hit the ball to the pole side for power. Uh, I think we had seen you know him working all fields, uh, which is great, uh, and he'll take his line drive base hits or ground ball base hits uh, against the shift to left. But, you know, his value really has to include power. And, and yes, he's hit the ball out of the ballpark. And, you know, I think the, the stint in AAA, while I'm sure he hated going down, um, clearly made a difference. And whether it was just a mental break or he made a, a tweak to his mechanics, uh, whatever it was, it seemed to have worked. Glenn, you, uh, you, you know, you're you around Tony all the time. You do interviews with him and, and pregame show things. And, you know, fans, a lot of fans want to see old school Tony, more fiery Tony, more intense Tony. And coming into this job, a lot of people didn't know if he could connect with the younger players. And some people believe now that maybe he's bending over backwards to be too positive, too supportive, too 
let's go get them tomorrow and, and defending the players. Um, have you seen a difference in Tony from the Tony past? I mean, or is he just trying to be a stable kind of even keel guy at this point? I will say this, guys. Look, I am around Tony a lot, and I see his interactions uh, in the clubhouse. And I've been doing this a long time, and I think sometimes, correctly, we we parse every word he says to the media. Um, But I can tell you that there are a lot of conversations that happen privately. And, you know, I do think he, he wants to make sure his relationship's good, but I I also think he is honest with the players, and I think the things that this staff wants to see get better, uh, they are talking a lot about it with the players, and they're working on it. Um, but every player's different, and the message has to be delivered differently to different people. Um, I, I think it's a good clubhouse. I really do. It's just based on my experience, um, and I know that was a big topic of conversation in the past week with certain reports, um, but the bottom line is they've now won four in a row, and you know, for me, it, it's the cart and the horse, right? I think whenever a team that is supposed to be really good underachieves or struggles, invariably there are going to be questions about chemistry or that kind of ephemeral thing that we can't wrap our arms around tangibly. And when you're good, you tend to just assume the chemistry's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, I've done this a long time. Most clubhouses kind of have very similar vibes. And I think if you spent two or three days inside a clubhouse and you had no idea of the record, you probably would get it wrong. <laughs> Quite honestly, I, I've been around some really good clubhouses where they've finished, you know, 40 games under 500. And I've been around some really good teams where, you know, it, it, it just doesn't feel like necessarily they're all best friends, but they find a way to get it done on the field. So I, I don't worry too much about those things, but uh, I can just tell you that I haven't noticed on a on a day-to-day basis that there's any issue in the clubhouse beyond the usual stuff. Len, the resurgence of Joe Kelly. I don't know what switch he flipped, but it's been pretty amazing past couple of games he's pitched. What what well, are you seeing? Yeah, I know he um had a little reset and and didn't pitch for a couple of days and and talked to the coaches and you know, he knows his body, he knows his stuff. Um, obviously he hasn't been at full health, uh, at, at all times this year and maybe trying to play catch up a little bit. Um, but the stuff is so nasty. You know, the, the biggest thing was just strikes. You know, he was walking too many guys and right now he's throwing strikes with, with all of his pitches. He's started to blend in a change up. I think that's the biggest obvious difference is it was basically fastball curveball um but the change up now is a nice little extra wrinkle and and you're right i mean having joe kelly be joe kelly is enormous uh you know you wanted crochet and bummer to be a big part of this bullpen uh crochet won't pitch this year bummer's been on the il for a while so you know you're really right-handed dominant and you need you know kelly graveman Ronaldo lopez has mm-hmm. really stepped up Jimmy Lambert's been really good uh, ahead of Liam Hendricks. And by the way, the closer has had, I think, five appearances since uh, he came off the IL. This is the best I've ever seen him. And he was great pretty much all of last year. Uh, He looks like a different Liam Hendricks to me. And and we'll let you go, Len, but Johnny Cueto, uh, I understand he runs the the stadium steps after each start. I got to get on that regime because he looks like he's, you know, 22, not 36. He's in really good shape. He, he's a very athletic 
uh, pitcher. Uh, I always love it when there's a pop-up behind the plate and he runs over as if he would catch it. <laughs> if, if, his, if his battery mate stumbled, that he would make the play. What a breath of fresh air. Uh, he has saved this rotation in a lot of ways. And the bullpen, because he essentially goes six innings yep. every time he pitches. So, yeah, I think if you had to... I don't know if he's the MVP of this team, but I think the undersung hero of the first half has to be Johnny Cueto. Yeah, kind of like the Billy Hamilton of uh, this year's team. Yeah, that's right. Surprise, surprise. Came out of nowhere, and uh, it's just a great storyline. Len Casper, thanks for uh, joining us here on ESPN 1000. Have a great game today. Uh, Lance Lynn on, uh, on the hill. What are you looking for from Lance real quick? Yeah, he needs to be better, and I think he, he understands that. And I think, um, you know, as we move along every fifth day, he probably is feeling a little better with the knee. And uh, this is a big start for him. He yep. knows it. Yep, great. All right, Len, go Sox. We'll uh, hear from you later on ESPN 1000, game time at 2 p.m. or 2.05, I should say, first pitch. We're hitting break here. We'll come back, take your phone calls at 312-332-3776 here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. The, the Chicago media is so soft and so weak. They got to say, excuse me, sir, this is the question I'm asking you. Yeah. This one. Well, the, the follow up and say, yeah, that's the second one. I wonder what, what about yeah, the first why, one. Yeah, why you not walk in the first time? Same situation. Because we still don't know the answer. Exactly Correct. the same situation happened. And you did it, yes, I understand. Oh, my God, we're going to pitch away, born in the middle of play, go hack. Hey, 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 sorry. And it's a fair question to ask. Yeah, and they say, okay, they say, why you not did it in the first, the first time out? Yes. NBC Sports Chicago, thanks for that audio. That is Ozzy the other day. I saw it when it happened. I totally I agree, too. Brian. Totally was, agree. Uh, it, it was, was uh, when Tony was asked about Jose Ramirez. There were yeah. two uh, at-bats in question right the reporter asked and i don't know who it was about the first at bat why he wasn't walked and yeah, tony second and third, ants- yeah, second and, third right. and first base open right and this guy's been killing you and he kills a lot right and tony was asked about that at bat and tony answered about the second at bat which you went oh one so you go out there you have the young pitcher just called up to to start that game davis martin right right and you're asking yep. him to pitch around Right, a guy and, who can pretty much hit anything near the strike zone, and 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 did on the on the on the first one. Mm-hmm. By the way, mm-hmm. yeah, actually made you pay for that yep. non-move. Yep. Um, but he goes oh one and left the pitch too far over the plate, so he says, "Well, I can't trust." Yeah, you. I can't trust you, so I'm going to. Uh, and there were questions about how much does he do that. I'm Pesenik was talking about how much did he do that in AAA? You know, right. is that something within his uh, purview, so to speak? Uh, you know. Why did he just Pods walk him right, right Scotty away? Scotty Pods also said about the first one, he said there had to be some number that, you know, they looked at their their computer printouts and there had to be some number that said, well, you don't have to issue the intentional pass on the first one. Well, I mean, that's the obvious one you do, right? I mean, seems like as, it. Seems as like Ozzy it. said, you, you always circle, when he was a manager, you always circle one guy and that guy's not going to beat me. And so if the guy behind you, behind him, delivers, he said, I can sleep well at night because. I'm not letting the guy who normally beats me beat me, and he did. But you know, unfortunately, the Twins have two of those players: Arise and Ramirez. And Byron, yeah. Um, um, so George, our caller said that Ozzy's got histrionic personality disorder. <laughs> yeah, H-P-D. you can look that up. What what does that mean? Uh, Save me the pain of googling. 
Well, histrionic means dramatic or theatrical. Okay. okay. All right, maybe. Um, people with... Uh, so do most H- people in radio. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, people with uh, HPD, their self-esteem depends on the approval of others and doesn't come from a true feeling of self-worth. Ooh. They have an overwhelming well, desire to be really noticed deep. and often behave dramatically or, or inappropriately to get attention. People with histrionic personality disorder often don't realize their behavior and way of thinking may be problematic. And it's one of a group of conditions called Cluster B. Uh, it uses appearance to draw attention, impressionistic, vague speech. Well, that's not true. Traumatic or exaggerated emotions. Yeah, I don't know about that. Suggestible, easily influenced by others. That's not Ozzy. Um, shifting and shallow emotions. I don't. I think George is an attorney. I think I'd stick to that. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Ozzy fits this. Uh, yeah, this diagnosis I don't think the, that diagnosis is solid. This is from I, the, look, a few things. Whatever he's any personality you could pick and choose uh, among those things that you mentioned in that definition. Any personality is going to have some of those things going on. He's a personality. Like him or hate him, whatever. But he had a point there. That reporter did not follow up on that question, did not hold Tony's feet to the fire. Be a man! Be a man! You know, you can't be afraid of that. You can't be afraid of that. You have to answer. You have to ask the question, and if you don't get the direct answer, you have to ask the question again. And, and you know, and, and there's he's right. a way, that didn't there's, a way, there's a way to massage these things, uh, Deshaun Watson. So you don't, that's not the first question you, you ask in the post game, right? And that was done outside the clubhouse with the beat guys. It's a small group. It might be three or four guys, right? All right. So you, you warm up to, to that question, which he knows is coming anyway. And what, how do you right. do that? Ask him about one of his dogs. How do you warm that up? Well, I, I, and God bless him for that. He's yes. got he's got the great foundation ARF where he takes care of um, of adopted uh, pets. Yes, he does. Uh, um, but but so I mean, you ask about the start. You ask about some you know good defensive play. I mean, whatever. But you get to that eventually. And someone else could have circled back and said, "Okay, Tony, but you know what about the first one? I mean, and and you know I, they didn't." I'm not going to, you know, it's a legitimate criticism at that Mm -hmm. moment. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, I, for the most part, I think. So you're um, basically telling us how you would have handled that in that particular situation of which you've been in that situation many times. Oh, yeah. Look, if if you're covering a team and I don't care, like Len just said, he's been doing a long time and I did it for a long time. If you're covering a good team or a bad team or somewhere in between team. You're in a, over the course of 162 in particular, uh, and, but it happens in the NBA, it happens in football, it happens in hockey, um, but baseball in particular, because you're around, you get to the ballpark three hours before the game, mm-hmm. and you're in the clubhouse, and after the game, you're in the clubhouse, and you see them at the hotel, and you see, I mean, they get tired of seeing you, you see them more than you see your family, and they see you more than they see their family, so eventually if if a, a coach or a player or a gm or all three don't come after you at some point in that season even if they're having a good season you're probably not doing your job right and because some days you're just going to catch them in a bad mood right uh, or maybe you're in a bad mood um but i mean you you could ask a benign question that gets some that he misinterprets and he goes off on you it, it you know that part that, of the job absolutely i mean and I tell you, every time I was MF'd and, and by a GM, a player, a coach, a manager, an assistant coach, and, you know, mo- mostly you move on and, and you know, you, you have it out and you either, I mean, I, we've got a quick one. It was Chuck Cotier was a, a coach on the Chicago Cubs, not the manager, mm-hmm. the third base coach, right? Mm-hmm. And he waved in Steve Bouchelle 
and from third base, and he was out by half a base path. I mean, the catcher could have had a cigarette waiting for him. And Steve Bouchel wasn't exactly fleet of foot, and that's not, you know, that's just not who he was. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was Bobby Bonilla was the right, uh, right fielder uh, at the time. And so I wrote in the, my game story, it was an ill-advised decision by Chuck Cottier. The next day, he's waiting for me in the dugout, and he says, who writes for the big paper? I'm thinking, okay, I, you mean the Tribune because they outsold the Sun-Times? He goes, no, 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 the big paper. He meant the tabloid. I said, that's me, Chuck. He goes, what does this mean here, ill-advised? I said exactly what it means. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't a very good decision. It was out by 30 feet. He goes, okay, you, we have a scouting report. Do you know, uh, you know, how they rate the uh, Benia's arm? I said, above average? He said, average. I said, well, is average enough to get him out by 30 feet? Let me ask you a question. How would they rate Steve Bouchel's uh, speed? You know, it looked like he had a piano on his back. <laughs> I said, if you had the same decision to make today, would you do the same thing? And he said, yes. And then I said, you're dumber than I thought. Ooh, and so, yeah, and then, and then it got, and then it escalated from there. Um, you know, but I couldn't help him out. Ill-advised, I thought was being diplomatic. You know, I right. could have gone, I could have gone stronger. But if you would have made that same decision, that the, the the next day, then if I'm the manager, I got a real issue with you too. So, but I mean, you sometimes they're waiting for it. Some, and you always have to show up. I mean, if you're going to write a column going after somebody in particular, you have to back it up. You have to stand your ground. And Jay Mariotti was, you know, he was great writing those columns. He never left the press room. So there are guys who make a living, uh, you know, beating people up via the the uh, keyboard. What they keyboard commandos? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And then guys who don't ever show up. You mean like a lot of society on social media? Yeah, they right. So they don't, you know, you got to show up and you got to show your face and you got to be around and they they respect you for that. I mean, you get no respect if you're you're just throwing darts from afar. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Yeah, Ozzy's a dramatic guy, but uh, there are a lot of solid points. And he said yesterday, which I totally agree with, and I said this last week. He said, "See, the talent is there. There's no question that there's talent on this team. It is there." Yes, it just needs to show up. Every it just day. needs or to show more up more consistently. No right. doubt about that. Right. And uh, before we hit break, uh, I got a, a Twitter question hear that uh, Chris Michael wanted to uh, know, I'm assuming Sox will be buyers at the trade deadline. What do you think are the moves to make? What do you target? And who do you move to make it happen? Now, these are things we can consider. If you want to jump in on this, 312-332-3776. We'll take your calls after the break as we're coming up on the break. But I will say this. I would imagine bullpen pitching is probably their first option, is what they're going to look for. How much... What's out there? How much they? Uh, how much more help they can get? I don't know, but a left-handed, left-handed arm—that'd yeah. be great. Left-handed bat and a left-handed bat too. But how many are out there? I know Ian Happ is still oh. trying to sell us on him. Hey, after after the week that uh, Andrew uh, Biennatendi had with the rest of the the Royals, we don't want to play baseball. That is unbelievable. What ten players? Any, ten players? I don't, I don't want him anywhere near this team. Ten I, players, know, right? Yeah. On Kansas yeah. City, and we'll he was just yeah, right, right. Just I, I was, I was, I was shocked, a bit horrified, but less shocked that I was horrified that there are ten players that decided. Now, look, every personal choice, all that kind of stuff, I get it. But when you're part of a team, when you're part of a team, okay, so they didn't get. These there's guys something decided, that you have to consider. 
Okay, but it's one thing to say I'm not getting the vaccine, and you can you know debate that as society mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't go to Toronto because right. you're not allowed to cross the border and into the country if you're not vaccinated. That's right. That's Canada's rule. And that's but, every sport. But here's the thing. A couple of those royals said, if, I, if we were in a position like if we were winning and we were a playoff team, I might reconsider. So now, so how much is your conviction about the damn shot versus... That's worse. That's worse than standing your ground and saying it. I'm going to take four days off leading in the All-Star break, so I get a week's vacation. That's what I heard. And they actually said, well, if we were in a different position, I might go ahead and get the shot, but we're not. We stink, so I'll take the day off. It's interesting that Ben Attendi was uh, a target of the Yankees. They want nothing to do with him now. Nothing. Nobody. That that speaks volumes to me. I I don't want him anywhere near my team. Yeah, you and me both. 312-332-3776. So we've got that question floating out there. If we're buyers, what are we looking for at the trade deadline on the south side? We'll tackle that and more here on ESPN 1000 when we get back. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Watch us today and every day on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. It's Hanley and Xander here on ESPN 1000. We've got uh, White Sox Weekly. Tyler Aki is on that at 1130 as Connor is uh, on his way to Minnesota. He'll be on the call tomorrow, Brian. Hey, I, I want to say hi to Dr. K, an orthopedic uh, doctor that I met. He's a big ESPN fan. I got uh, itis, bursitis. That's fun. Where, where, where do you have the uh, bursitis? And in the uh, left hip. So mm-hmm. I had to get the shot the other day, and we were talking sports and stuff. So Dr. K may be uh, listening. He's uh, I got him in, White Sox I got him both. I got him both elbows a year or so ago. Oh, that's um, fun. Yeah. The more the merrier. It's not fun. No, um, no, no. Yeah, it's chronic, too. So. Oh, great. Thank you the, for that. Well, I mean, the shot kept it took for like three months. Sometimes it doesn't even take. But once it wears off, then you start going to all the physical therapy. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm lined yeah. up for all of that. I will yeah. say the shot, Dr. K, if you're listening, the shot made a difference sure. as I was walking out to my car. Wow, it impacted immediate. that quick. Yeah. So yeah, I think it took I'm a day for me. Yeah. I'm happy about that. 312-332-3776. I got the itis, the arthritis, the bursitis, you know, I guess, I guess that happens when you're at the uh, age I am. I don't know well, if this relates. 76, 77. It's about time it hit me. Are you getting the ARP mail yet? <laughs> that's been happening for like 20 years i know i i mean they, they and i'm not have, that old why do they send it to me in my 30s well, i think yeah i think it's as soon as you hit 50 they got your names on the list and like no no month. earlier than that trust me earlier really? than that I yes, thought, yes. I, I thought that was 50 for me no, no i just no, no, threw no. one out the other day i don't even open them i just look at them like no i'm not trying no, no i think trying. i was getting that somewhere in my early 40s I don't need ten dollars off the hotel room because I don't want need to. It's it's worth my self esteem, Ozzy, for me not to get a ten dollar discount to say I'm a senior. Oh, so okay. you have that uh, you have that history uh, that oh. uh, history. What what is it? I, I uh, uh, his histrionic personality histrionic. disorder. I, I yeah. wrote the book on it. Yeah. I don't know if this uh, relates no. to though that I as a kid I used to get scared to play video games because I was afraid I was going to get carpal tunnel. <laughs> well, you know, I, I well, actually got, it, there, I, I got that as a, when I was working for the newspaper, because every day you're on the you're typing three or four hours worth of stories. I yep. actually got that. That was no fun either. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. And uh, carpal tunnel. There are people that uh, text too much, Jake. 
that have That's carpal it. tunnel. Kids that have <laughs> that are texting too much, and then they have neck problems, right? Because they're bending over and they're texting, so they've got the carpal tunnel. They've got the back issues because they're bending over, they're hunching over, and they wouldn't make a phone Technology. call to save their life. They might not call nine one one. Not, to help if, themselves. Right, because it's a, they, they don't ever use the phone to actually make a call. Can you text 911 and say help? I don't think so. I, I don't, don't think they, you could. I don't think I operators don't think are standing by. I, I, don't, I don't think they'll be showing up. Oh, now you just press it. like a, a button on your iPhone and it sends help. Well, yeah, that's like, like I need, I need like everyone to show up, right? I mean, yeah. But usually they, they want to know, they, they, <laughs> they want to know what the situation is. You just press the one button. Come on. Are you that lazy? 312-332-3776. So we had uh, a question tweeted at us. White Sox, they're probably going to be buyers. You know, what What Jesse might they be the looking Sunday, for? They're definitely going to be buyers, right? Yeah, so yeah. Jesse- right. Most likely. I mean, some people are like, well, you know what? If they don't do well against the Twins and everything and they're a few games out, they're going to start selling. First of all, what are you selling? Second of all, What's the point? I mean, I, I don't think we could damage us enough by, I mean, if we lost every game to the trade deadline, likely that's not going to happen. Knock on everything. But the point is, what do you sell? So, yes, we'll be, we'll be buyers to some degree. It's just a question of what are we going after and what is really out there? Position player. You know, and maybe a, a left-handed bat, as Jesse has been saying. We've yeah. got we've got Gavin Sheets that's starting to hit from the left-handed side. What happens? What happens? Just brace yourself, everybody. If uh, Mankata starts hitting from the left-handed side consistently, and Grandal shows up and he's hitting from the left-handed side, well, that's that's a lot of. Yeah, I know that's uh, a lot of what ifs. I yeah. get it. I get uh, it. But I, I'm you know all star Ian Happ happy. Uh, second base, Jesse agreed. You know, mm-hmm. you could do worse than that. Yeah, but so, what do you have to give up for that realistically? A couple pitching prospects. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. Um, you know, I, I, and, and believe me, we'll get to the Cubs because I, uh, oh, these numbers. And again, they're averaging 8,400 more fans per home game, even though they're as awful as That's no as the surprise. White Sox are. That's no I surprise. I know, but it's been like that aid, forever. Don't be aiding and abetting, please. I agree. Know. I agree. That is the White Sox mentality. And that's something I've never, a White Sox fan mentality, I should say. And that's something that I've never understood. That when I'm in a discussion with a Cubs fan that doesn't like the White Sox and says, well, you guys don't show up. You don't support your team. It's like, why is that a bad thing? We show up if they're winning. If they're not winning and we're upset, we don't show up. Why is that a bad thing? Well, look, and, 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 this is the problem with this approach, because we had a caller say, the second rebuild was never supposed to be part of the plan. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, Theo Epstein was all sustained success, just keep knocking on the door, and eventually you'll kick it, kick it down and win a World Series, which they did. But after that, you were supposed to But then to they fell a, off. You're supposed to be a postseason team. And I, look, you can look at the numbers of uh, uh, Baez in particular and Chris Bryant and say they weren't going to be, they were on the decline. That doesn't. I didn't. I wasn't saying you had to pay them whatever they were asking to keep them around, but you should. You could have been involved in something more than say a Suzuki and and uh, yes. Marcus Stroman. Okay, so now you're a major market team with that's rated, I believe, fourth on the list of the Forbes list of uh, value. Uh, you know, uh, organizations worth almost four billion dollars, right? So you're you're on this list and. You can't 
tell me the biblical proportion losses that uh, Tom Ricketts referenced during the pandemic. You are now one of the few teams actually making money from last year because of all the stuff that goes on inside and around the ballpark, right? Including the marquee network. So the fact of the matter is you weren't supposed to be a rebuilding team. If, if a team is, does, is trying to contend and makes poor decisions and spends money poorly, I don't begrudge people going out to the ballpark or buying the season tickets because things just went awry, right? Things went off the tracks. When they told you what they were doing by what they did last year and moving everybody out and not respending the money, then if you really are paying top five prices to go to the ballpark, you know, 400 bucks for a family of three or four, whatever, more than that on average, and you're sitting through this crap, and then don't tell me how upset you are that they're not winning because they're not, there's no incentive for them to win if 30,000 people will show up and pay those prices. It's exactly right. It is just a business proposition. At that point, they are literally just making money and they're not too concerned about the success of the team because why? You're filling the place or you're selling or you're making a profit, whatever you, you, the degree you, of success is. Right, right. I mean, it's not 42000 but if it's 30000 paying full fare and buying the $12, $14 mm-hmm. beers mm-hmm. And, and, you know, making the beer uh, snake, the beer cup snake out and, you know, takes a lot of beers for that, right? And then, so your business model now, you're, I think they have a, a payroll about $150 million, which is squarely in the middle of major league baseball and you're a, the, uh, you're a large market team and this week i heard more than one cardinal say we're not just trying to be a wild card team we want to win the damn division that's the approach i want that's there there's a franchise that's worth 2.7 billion not four and every year they try to win the damn thing yep. and you know and god bless them and they lost money last year they lost 34 million while tom ricketts and his family was banking 68 million in operating income Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the numbers don't add up. And don't tell me Jed's going to spend intelligently. I would hope he was doing that even if it wasn't a rebuild. That doesn't excuse us away. Nope. So, you know, the Yankees are a $6 billion franchise, according to the, the Forbes, up 14% uh, from the year previous. And they lost $40 million last year. Because guess what? They're spending money. They, they keep, you know, they, they re-signed Rizzo, even though it was probably less than Rizzo expected. They're, they're trying to win every single year. And the Cubs' plan was never to break it down to the studs or tear it down to the studs again. And yet here we are, and they're, they're no closer to winning a World Series than when Theo and Jed first showed up on the, on, on the scene, right? I mean, that, from where I'm sitting, I'm telling you that. So good luck. Good luck to everybody. Wait, look, I think fans really, really believe in their heart of hearts that every ownership group just wants to win. Forget about just baseball. You know, basketball, hockey. You just want to believe that these owners are in it to win. And it's not necessarily the case. No, They're business people trying to succeed in the world of business. How do you do that? You maximize the revenue coming in and you try to keep costs in control and you make a profit. Now, yes, if you throw all the resources you have and try to get a winning team and you can sustain it, merchandising and all that thing, will, all those things will follow, right? Mm-hmm. But what the Cubs are doing right now, they're making money. And you just want to believe as a fan that the Ricketts really care about winning. And they, they'll say they do. 
but do they care about that above profits? No, but in a perfect world, you win, and it could, it's going to cost you more than win. I mean, it, yes. it was a hundred in a, in, 100. a per, in, in a perfect world, but that takes a few years of spending a lot of money to get well, there. Well, and look, and you, you know, the fact that Dodgers and the Mets are spending two hundred and sixty million to the Cubs one fifty, you know, they're they're trying to spend it wisely too, but they're spending a hundred million dollars more because guess what? One's in the number one city, and the the other one's in the number two city, and we're sitting here number three city. So why is this? Why are we you know running the uh, Iowa Cubs here in terms of you know, just bringing a bunch of guys up. You don't even know who they are. Half of them are. And it, it does. You know, I'm not criticizing them. They, they're getting an opportunity. I mean, the fact that David Ross in the Sun-Times poll, how about this? They, they one of the poll questions for the Sun-Times, if you were in charge of Chicago's baseball teams, would you make a managerial change on either side of town? Right. And that's mm-hmm. today. Today, this is a poll. 76% on the south side said yes, because we just talked to Len about Tony, and because Tony's been in a, a conversation piece throughout the season. North side, 4.2%. Now, again, Jed tells you that David Ross is a rock star. I like David Ross. I think he's, he's a fan favorite, too. He, and he was great when I did a radio show with him. I mean, he's a great guy. I don't know if he's a good manager or a bad manager. But the fact that you're on a 99-loss season, uh, on pace to lose 99 games, and you get 4.2% of the fan base saying that the manager's part of the problem, well, he's not part of the solution right now. Right. Now, now the roster's crap. I get it. And he wants that gig, and they just re-upped him, and they're taking care of him. And I don't lay the blame necessarily at his feet, but, I mean, a disgruntled fan base should be more than 4% thinks the manager's part yes. of the losing team. Yes, I agree. And and we can go into how we don't know if David Ross is a good manager because he doesn't really have the tools no, to succeed. Absolutely. We're doesn't. up against the break, Brian. We'll come back and talk more about the Cubs. We've got Tim and Paul on hold, too. 312-332-3776. Talking about the Northsiders. Are you going to support them in this Day and age, are you rooting for them? Of course you're rooting for them. Are you spending your money to support them? We'll talk about that more on ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. All right, we're talking Cubs here on ESPN 1000. Xander and Hanley, 312-332-3776. Tim in Wheaton jumping in here. Hey, Tim. Yeah, he's really enjoying the show, loving the baseball talk here on a Saturday. Right on. What so, can I, yeah, I'm, I, I take a little different approach on the Cubs. Certainly, you know, I want the Cubs to spend, but I think, you know, I see a disconnect between kind of what we hear a lot on Sports Talk Radio and then a lot of the Cubs fans I know. We're, we're disappointed in the team this year, but we understand. We look at the Ricketts. They, they come in from 2015 to 2020. They spend the second most in all of baseball. I don't think we're worried about them spending. Uh, when the Cubs are going to be decent. We look at what they did to Wrigley Field, the, our area around the park. Um, and the Cubs had a problem, though, last year in the fact that all their best players were up at the same time. That's odd. That doesn't happen very often. All the guys were in steep decline. Um, they did actually make offers to all those guys at some point that weren't accepted. And then they also had this problem where the farm system was in such bad shape. That is the real failure, I think, of the CEO's regime. They couldn't sustain the farm system. So they, they, they couldn't spend their way to a successful year this year. There was no way to do it. So they're 12th this year in payroll if you add the competitive balance tax, which, sure, I'd love the Cubs to be top five every year, and they, I believe they will be, and they should be next year. That's going to be the problem. If next year you have another year where you're not spending, that's going to be a huge issue. But for one kind of year to reset, 
Um, I can live with that, and I understand it. Do you go, how many games do you go to a year, on average? Uh, just a handful, and honestly, yeah. I haven't gone to as many this year. I'll be honest. Right. Are you watching them on marquee? I would assume you are. I am. Yep. Okay. Okay. How I do you know, like that experience having to spend to watch your oh. team specifically? So, meaning what on marquee? Yeah. I, I love it. I think that if that can be a revenue producer for the Cubs, I think that's great. I love the product. I think they do a nice job on marquee with the Cubs games. I kind of love all the people they bring in. I think it's a better broadcast than before. Um, and I think the farm system's in such better shape now. All the deals they made at the last year's trade deadline, I think those guys have really taken off. You know, I do follow that pretty closely, the U Darvish trade. So I think the farm system is in much better shape. And after this draft Sunday, and probably hopefully a top five pick next year, and that'll be the last time the Cubs are picking that high, I think they're going to be set up for long-term success. That was the missing link to the long-term success you talked about. Yeah, they promised that. But the farm system was so bad, and they drafted so poorly. They didn't have the player development. They didn't have the scouting. So I think they couldn't, they couldn't sustain the success, but I think now they're set up to do it. And you, you better believe we're going to be on top of them to keep spending every year. But we can live with being 12th in baseball this year um, for one year if it nets us all these you know, young players. Well, here, here, on the Darvish thing in particular, that was a pure salary dump. So they got, I think it was four basically teenagers. Uh, I think the oldest one might have been 18, 19. They weren't even top 25 in the Padres organization in their, in their farm system in terms of being rated by MLB pipeline. And so unlike other teams that that either pay part of that money going away to get a better asset, like you'll see you know, the, what the Blackhawks are going to do, take bad contracts to get better assets, I don't think any of those four guys are going to show up at Wrigley Field anytime soon, if at all. So, well, I would say I think those – rank you're right in the rankings from MLB Pipeline when they made the deal. Like right now, Owen Casey's a, a top 100 guy in my mind, um, right, or he's right around there in a lot of – you'll see him on publications. Reggie Preciado was really – had a huge year last year. This year is actually taking a step back. Um, Santana is up and playing decent this year. So, like, Owen Casey, I think, is going to be a really good major league player. I, I really like that return. I, I think hope Preciado so, because then, be then it's a you Darvish for, for Casey deal, and we'll, you know, we'll see yeah. how that plays out. Tim. Thanks, man. Tim, thank you. Great call. Uh, yeah, great call. A lot of information there. All right, so, you know, depending on how, what percentage of Cub fans Tim's thinking represents – they seem sympathetic. They understand, you know, that it's take, it takes a lot of money to build up the neighborhood and build up the experience. And, and Theo might have left them holding the bag just a little bit because let's well, face he it, saw, he, 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 he saw how empty the bag was going to be and he didn't want to be holding. Right, 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 right. I mean, you know, I would imagine it, it seems, and as I say this, we're looking at the Yankees, but, you know, to have a top contending team and to have that, that uh, farm system stocked, ready for the future. You know, you almost have to pick a lane sometimes. Okay, and, but you, yeah, yeah, but the Cardinals seem to have both. Right, going. as I said, that there are exceptions to that rule. And, and well, well, after the break, we'll go through. You want to talk about you know marquee and, and the added revenue streams. You know, every every dollar they've invested around Wrigley and buying up the rooftops and building the hotel and everything else. Mm-hmm. That is why the. The franchise is worth four billion versus the eight hundred and fifty. Yes, million. it's not just the team. It's sure. not charity. Certainly. It's not just to make your experience better. It's to make their the franchise. Of work. course, of course. But I mean, we'll go over and the new CBA when the, next year when the patches show up on the jerseys that the the fan, the organizations the teams individually get to take keep that money. They don't share it. 
And uh, Forbes estimates that's going to be almost 10% increase in revenue for some teams, including, I would think it'd probably even be higher for major market teams because there's a lot more money involved, right? Yep. But we'll go over the, the, you know, the cable rights, the marquee networks, and what that all means because, you know, the Cubs relate to that game, but believe me, they're making money off that too. They're doing okay. They're business. They're a business family. Which, by the way, Laura Ricketts is looking into getting into uh, part of ownership of the sky. Yeah, and Tom Ricketts wanted to spend $4 billion on a premier soccer league. Yes, he teams. did. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Paul is on hold. He wants to talk about the Cubs. When we come back, we'll dive into what uh, Brian was talking about. Remember, 1130 is when we join White Sox Weekly. Tyler Aki is on that today. And when we come back, I've got the starting lineup for the Chicago White Sox. Pre-game at one thirty two oh five. first pitch. Lance Lynn on the hill. Here on your home for the White Sox, ESPN 1000.